Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Uh, what I want to just make sure you understand about these magi is, is these magi were not Christians, right? Or they weren't Jews. They weren't people who were, who were following God and looking for the Messiah. They were people far off in, in, the, in the Eastern Orient. And, and these magi uh, were Persian and, and of Mede descent. And, and what they did is they, they became wise men. The magi was, a, was an ancient priesthood, and it was passed down in tradition from, from priest to priest to priest. And they were, they were wise guys. They were schooled and learned in a lot of things. And, and what was, I can't go into all of it today. I don't want to do that. But historians, historians would say this, that no Persian would become king unless a magi or the magi approved that king. The magi were king pickers. They were people who chose the king. They watched for kings. They saw the qualities in people to be king. They were king pickers. <clears throat> right? Kind of easy. Simple, I thought. These men, uh, if, you look at, if you read Daniel, there's a lot of insight there too. But Daniel was, was there and part of this. And, and I would say that God had planned that. Because these men from the east had very likely been strongly influenced by Judaism. And, by, and probably been strongly influenced by Daniel and later the writings of Daniel when he was there leading. And, the, and he was actually leading the Magi. And you'll see that throughout Daniel as well. And much of the Orient had, had understood and embraced that there was a universal ruler. There was word out there that a universal ruler would rise out of Judea. That they were, they were looking for this. They were wondering about this. They were anticipating it. And it was interesting that when the wise men came, when the Magi came, they went, came to Jerusalem asking and they were searching. And it's almost the, the, the Greek is almost like they were going quickly to everyone they could. Where's the king of the Jews? Where's the king of the Jews? You should know this. Where's the king of the Jews? And everyone's like, deer in the headlights, what are you talking about? Right? These men who were from an ancient or an, a, a distant land knew more about the coming of the Messiah than people in Jerusalem. And then when they approached Herod, of course, he's like, well, let me get my wise guys together and let's figure this out. Where is he supposed to be born? And they came up with the, the saying. So they came to worship him. And later we'll see that that worship was... Remember, they're king pickers. They understand who's the king. And these magi who established kings traveled a great distance to come and bow before a baby born the king. And I believe, I, I think the intent of Scripture is there too, to believe that it was more than just, yeah, he's a king, he's going to rule, let's bow before him as an authority. I believe they bowed because they knew he was the one universal king, Lord, sent from God. See, Jesus is the Messiah and King for all. Scripture says that every knee will bow before Jesus Christ. That at His name, every knee will bow. No one will be left out of that. Now, some, some people will bow a little too late, but every knee will bow. The next observation is this. God wants His Son to be known and to be worshipped. God wants His Son to be known and to be worshipped. We're going to jump down with, with this Magi story. Go to verses 9 and 10 with me. We'll, we'll come back up to verse 3. But 9 and 10. 
So the Magi had, had come and said, where is this, this baby? Where's the king of the Jews? And then in verse 9, he says, after hearing the king, they went on their way. So the king had told him. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. See, God wants his son to be seen. God wants his son to be known. God wants his son to be worshipped. Now, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity in Scripture about when they saw the star. They were in an eastern land and they saw the star. Why was that there? What was, that, what was the meaning? How did they know that? For some, somehow, they knew that what that star meant. And, and we always think, well, that star just moved and they followed it. Well, they knew where, where to go. They knew to go to Jerusalem. So it doesn't say the star moved and it, they followed it. They say they saw, saw the star. It was a sign. So they went to Jerusalem to ask and inquire, where's the baby? Where's the king of the Jews? Where's the man born king? And when they got there, they had asked Herod. And Herod said, well, the scripture says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then once they, they heard that, they started to go out again. And then it says what? They saw the star again after they had went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. And then it led them. Then it moved until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw, saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. It's kind of a silly, silly phrasing. They were overjoyed beyond measure. Isn't that what overjoyed means? Right? They, no, they were so overjoyed, it was beyond containment. That God, the God of the universe, revealed again His light, his, maybe His Shekinah glory, the glory of the Lord again, that they followed it to the place the baby was, the boy was. And they were overjoyed that God would do that for them. See, I, I think God goes out of His way to create circumstances in our lives where he can be seen, where Jesus can be seen and known and worshipped. How many of you can agree with that? In your own life, that God has done something amazing to show you and reveal, reveal to you his son. And he continues to go out of his way to make his son known and worshipped. But listen, there's, there's a, a contrary to this. You know, if, if he goes out of his way to make his son known, we have to understand why. It's because Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is God's rescue plan. Jesus isn't just good advice. This isn't a nice moral story. This is a proclamation of what God has done for you. And a proclamation of what God has done for me. But the note here is this, that although God goes to extremes to make His Son known, mankind, you and I, go to extremes to reject the Messiah. People go to extremes to reject the Messiah. And people are troubled at knowing and hearing about the Messiah. They're troubled when, when Jesus is presented to them because it kind of interrupts what's going on in their own life. Let's look at King Herod. Let's look at verses 3 through 8. So they came, the wise men came, they said, where is this, this man born king of the Jews? And in verse 3 it says, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So there's this disturbing going on inside. He's like, I'm not at peace. Something's I don't, want to, I don't want to be dethroned. There's a king that's not me. I don't, I'm, I'm not into that. And Herod kind of plays nice here, but we see later that he had a rage inside of him against the Messiah. And what did he do? He set out to eventually kill the Messiah. So he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what is written by the prophet. 
And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no, by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. So there they have it. Okay, it's out of Bethlehem. Now, Herod's got to get his plan in motion, got to get his plan going. Then Herod secretly summoned. There, there's some evil intent going on here. He, he doesn't like the fact that Jesus is on the scene and could disrupt what's going on in his life. And I think maybe some of you are there too. Maybe today you're here because you, you need a little more confirmation about what, what's this Jesus thing about. Everyone's singing these Christmas carols. I, we were watching football at my aunt and uncle's house yesterday afternoon, right, because we had a, a party there for Christmas Eve. And, and football was over, and they turned to the, the pentatonics, right? The, they're singing those Christmas carols. And I, this is like national TV. I feel like it's a church service because all of the songs they're singing are just resonating with my heart because they're about Jesus. And I'm like, how, how does the world sit here in their living rooms, comfortable after watching football, and hear the message of Christ and not be disturbed inside? Right? Christmas is just a traditional time where we sing Christmas carols. But those Christmas carols are about the message, the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ. And if someone really listens to it, their life can be totally changed. At the, at the opposite of that, if someone really listens to it, they may be deeply disturbed and reject everything about Jesus because it interrupts what they've got going on. They have themselves set up as their own Messiah. So he secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so I too can go and worship him. Liar is right. Like, yeah, oh boy, howdy. That's a good one, Lois. Thank you. Yeah, he was not intent on worshiping Jesus. We find later he was intent on killing Jesus. The message of the Messiah is troubling to those who want to keep themselves as Messiah. We, we have this lordship issue, people. And, and I think there's this, this time in our lives that as, we, as humanity grows and decides what is best and what should my life look like and how do I reach God, most of us, at some point in our lives, came to the point where I'm Lord, but I will do my best to look the part and, and look like I love Jesus. And hopefully, here's the, here's the part that's just a fallacy, hopefully he'll accept that. What God says in the Christmas message is He cannot accept it, so He gave us Jesus. Because He can accept Jesus. And, and Christ's righteousness, Christ's perfection, can be put in, in place of our unrighteousness and, and our sin. And that's, that's the issue. There's, but there's a problem, a lordship issue. We have to deny ourselves and lay ourselves aside so that we can be humbled to the point where we can have faith. And, and believe in Jesus Christ and trust Him as our Savior. The Christmas message is that we are helpless and in desperate need of God with us. Amen? Amen. Finally, number three. He must be our treasure. God must be our treasure. Jesus Christ in the manger must be our treasure. Look at verses, or verse 11. So the Magi were overjoyed, right? They were overjoyed beyond measure. And then in verse 11 it says, uh, Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, I, I want to be a more gracious person at receiving gifts. I know that sounds almost selfish. Like, I'm going to be gracious at receiving gifts, so bring me lots of them. 
No, but you know how it is. It's like we get that, that place where we want to give, 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 and someone says, well, here, take this. No, no, I don't want that. I don't, no, I don't want that. Well, someone's wanting to give me a gift. I need to be more gracious about receiving gifts, and not in an idolistic way. I'm not trying to be an idol worshiper. But I want to be a, a humble person that says, thank you to the person who decided I was worthwhile and, and decided I was worth giving a gift to. Who went out of their way to say, I'm doing this because I love. All you have to do is fall to your knees, humble yourself, and say okay. See, the, the greatest thing, I, I see this story, the wise men, the magi, they go to the house, they entered the house, and they saw Mary, the mother, and, and Jesus there with the child. And it says, and falling on their knees, these, these wise men who are king pickers, you don't go anywhere unless you get through the magi. They came to the house overjoyed that the glory of God directed them right to the place they needed to be. And they walked in the house, saw the Lord, and they fell flat on their face. And they worshiped him. They worshiped him. See, they saw these magi who had all the riches and wealth they could ever have, had all the position and status they could ever need, humbled themselves before the king of kings. And when they fell on their knees, it says, they fell on their knees and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures, their treasures. They took their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The gold is one of those riches that all kings should have. Everything should be coated in gold if you're a king. But there's two points here. There's a symbolism to the gifts, but there's also... The, the, the part that is actually their treasures. These, these magi are actually giving and put, laying down what was most valuable to them because they have found what is supremely valuable, and that is Christ. For you and I, we ought to do the same thing. Whatever our time, treasure, talent is, we lay it down and say, it's not about me and my status and position. It's about Jesus. And the minute I can humble myself and fall on my knees, flat before Jesus, and say, you have it all. I just want to worship you because you are my treasure. That's when things start to change. We have to give them our treasure. Now, the symbolism of the treasure is gold is fit for a king. Frankincense was one of the most expensive perfumes you could buy. If you had that, you were high class. You were high class. And, mer- and so royalty, right? There's royalty. And it's, the frankincense represents divinity. Saying this, is, this guy is so high class, he's divine. And, and then myrrh. Myrrh was the, the poor man's perfume. And it represented Christ's humanity. And it was also a perfume often used in burial and could represent Christ's ultimate sacrifice and death for us. But in that, we see God as a king. God is God, divine. And he is also completely human. God in the flesh, God incarnate, come to us in this, to save us. For you and I, what Christ is looking for is for us to fall on our knees before the king. That, that we would set aside our own, our own pride. We'd set aside our own God complex. The need for my, me to be savior of my own life. The need for me to be lord of my own life and boss of my own life. And that I would meekly, humbly fall to my knees empty because I've given everything that was any value, I've given it up. And said, the only thing that can fill, the only thing that can fill me this Christmas, the only thing that can fill you today is the hope, the righteousness, 
the joy in Jesus Christ. And that is why we celebrate. We celebrate because He is what we could not be. And when we couldn't reach God, He came to us and accomplished what we could not do. For those who are here today, maybe with family, maybe you've been away from church for a long time and you said, well, it's Christmas, it's the two times a year we go, so let's go. Maybe, maybe today you need to empty yourself and say, I, I, you've got nothing without Jesus. And you need to be like these magi who confirm that this is God in the flesh and they fell to their knees empty and worshipped him. You need to believe that Jesus is God's son. You need to believe that he accomplished what you could not accomplish. Not only when he was born, but when he lived and when he died and when he rose again, conquering Satan's sin and death once and for all, that you, you could have forgiveness, that you could have Christ's righteousness put on you because yours is as filthy rags. Believe, believe in the Messiah today. Believe in Jesus today. For the rest of us who have believed in the Messiah, the hope is constantly there. Constantly stay on your knees. Constantly stay giving your treasures to Him, laying them down, because He is the only treasure that we need. And He is the only treasure we should ever seek. Amen? Merry Christmas to you. I love you. Let's stand together and pray, and we'll close our service. Father, you are the greatest, greatest gift we could ever receive, and I am so grateful to be sharing that and to be, be united with these people. That, that we all together would worship the one true King, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that, that He came doing something that we could not do. I, th- I thank you, Lord, that you, you gave us a righteousness, a perfection, a holiness through Christ that was not able to be accomplished on our own. May our only hope be in you. May we believe the message of the gospel, the good news of Christmas. It's not advice. It's not good counsel. It's, it is the good news, the story of what has happened for us and what you have done for us. We thank you that you rescued us. We worship you today and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service, we're just going to close with a song. I'm going to